Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. All right, we are live right now. Soccer to the max on YouTube, on Twitch, on Facebook, on Twitter. You can go find us right now. Um, I'm your host, Sean Garmer. Here with me, as always, Mr. Eric Watkins. Hey. <laughs> well, we are here to talk about the U.S. national team in Jamaica, but we're also here to talk about Canada and Mexico. Woo! And you have a new leader at the top of the table. We will discuss the standings. As this is the last. This is it. No more for 2021. These standings are going to last until the end of January 2022 when this picks up again. For the last six matches, Erica, what an interesting night of World Cup qualifiers. You technically had the U.S. and Jamaica go first, then the two in the middle with Panama and El Salvador in Panama, and then Costa Rica at home against uh, Honduras. And then, of course, Mexico going to the frigid area of Edmonton with snow on the ground, (laughs) 17 degrees of kickoff. This was fire from the minute it started to the minute it ended and everything else in between absolute craziness eric i mean kudos to the edmonton crowd and like you you had even mm-hmm. texted me it, it, it was this a cfl game or what i'm like borderline yeah. snow classical part i was waiting for a little bit to come down but between the elements the crowd and really just the team itself Credit to Canada because they started on the front foot and really, aside from the last like 10 minutes, they never, excuse me, they never looked back. No, that it's so true. And sorry, I'm having to to make this bigger for you guys on the screen so you can actually see it. What I'm I'm trying to get at here is first of all, you know, we're coming off that dosacero that we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. So you know Tata Martino had to make some changes and he went with a 352 here to be able to cover up some of the pace problems that he knew he was going to have with Alfonso Davies, Tejan Buchanan, and some of the other uh, players. Interesting that Jonathan David does not start for Canada. Instead, they start your old old Orlando City uh, (laughs) guy, Kyle Lahren, and he becomes very fruitful as far as what this team needed. And... Another interesting decision is to start Henry instead of Victoria at the heart of the defense. And that also becomes a very interesting talking point for both Mexico and Canada in this. And of course, so what they decided to do here is since Tecatito Corona has been the, you know, the, the talking point of the town of how he's in terrible form and how you can't trust him right now. You shouldn't play him. He goes with that 3-5-2. He goes with Chucky Lozano and Raul Jimenez up front. He, st- he sticks with, uh, you know, Gallardo because Gallardo's really the only, like, as far as, like, a wingback, mm-hmm. left-wing guy that he can really, you know, go with. Uh, Edson Alvarez is right there, sort of like a defensive mid. Ethan Herrera there as well. It's kind of hard, even though Herrera didn't have a great game against the United States. Kind of hard to take away a guy that, that plays Atletico Madrid that you know you can count on him. And boy, would they need him uh, in this game. They have to play Jorge Sanchez on the right side. Apparently, Chaka Rodriguez got a death threat after that game against the United States. 
Uh, and then he puts Avelin Pineda in the middle there. And Nestor Rajo comes back into the team after he got the suspension from the U.S. game. And he has to play Dominguez up there as the third center back along with Vasquez. So, and of course, then Mochoa on goal. So, much different look from Tata Martino's team here to start off. But for me, I think what obviously pays a big role in all of this, Eric, is obviously you're playing on turf. Mm-hmm. And you're playing in 17 degree freaking weather. Mm-hmm. Combine those two things. And man, that's difficult for a Mexican side that's not used to that. And I mean, think about, you know, a lot of games are played in the US, a lot of games in Mexico, like Canada is still one of those. They're not, they're not making soccer specific stadiums everywhere oh, no. around the world or whatever. It's very much like the way the US was in the early days. You're still playing in CFL football stadiums you know, big stadiums. So th- this was a, uh, it's a weird thing to see those football, football lines, number one. It's been a while and, since we've seen and, those. And especially for those of you who are not familiar with the CFL, yes, there are two 50-yard lines up there. Yeah, I know it's line. weird, but you'll love it. But again, yeah. different kind of football. I different kind of football, exactly. <laughs> but what, you know, the, the, the thing was here with this is not just, you know, the starting lineup. It's you're still having to deal with a lot of the issues that you had to deal with in the first game against Canada. How do you stop Tayshawn Buchanan? How do you stop Alfonso Davies? You're dealing with a ball that continually runs now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one that, that like stops or, or you kind of know the rhythm of how you're going to hit the ball or anything. That's a different kind of. Yeah. You get those extra rolls and even that little carry and on turf, especially cold turf like that, even with any underheating, you get a little bit of extra bounce on any particular kind of pass. That is makes it much harder to read as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and like that's, it's a, uh, this was, this was something that was for me, it was how many times in that, first i don't know what 30 minutes it was just oh the pass went too long mm-hmm. oh oh they couldn't connect or whatever but that just shows you how different this was going to be a different game this is going to be how much adjusting they were going to have to do in this but obviously i mentioned from the word go the first minute the aforementioned henry absolutely elbows two sign on the faces they're both going up for a ball no call from the ref, and this set the tone for the rest of the entire evening. Oh, yeah. No card, nothing. He just goes on, and that's not the first one. He lets he lets Henry commit three fouls before he gives him one card. And at the fourth foul, you're sitting there going, what does somebody have to do to get a yellow card here? And, and, and you saw yeah. as it went on, Mexico was like, we're tired we're cold, we're frustrated, we got a battle yeah. for possession. They really just started. We thought everything against the U.S. was bad. They were just bodying people all up and down the pitch. And I'm like, borderline prison rules in this case. Borderline <laughs> prison rules, exactly. <laughs> and, like, if you look at it, 16 fouls to 22. Mm-hmm. This was a chippy game. It was an absolutely Very. just... It was a game that was super tight, super everything. Everything was being contested. I didn't think it was a penalty. I feel like he came in with the shoulder, hit him a little bit on the Larea tackle. I don't know how you felt about that. I mean, real time, I didn't necessarily think so. 
But at the yeah. same time, it's like if we had VAR, which thankfully we will come January, if we did, I would have warranted a second look. And it's like, all right, even if they see it again, it's no right. penalty. I'm good with it. Yeah, it's just the thing beyond that as well. It's just like it continued. It continued throughout. Mm-hmm. It was Canada pressuring. Mm-hmm. Mexico's trying to recover. They didn't. They couldn't deal with the pressure still. Then they're fouling to prevent. Not really Davies. Davies didn't really have. They did a good job of kind of keeping Davies yeah, out of the. He was at a very quiet night. But Tejon Buchanan was had a a big game, uh, being a threat on the other flank. And then you know Larea coming forward. And for me, I thought the best player aside from Laren, who got the two goals, was uh, Ustakio. Ustakio was on it. He was pressuring every time he possibly could. That's exactly how the first goal happened. Oh, yeah. I mean, not even just quite man-marking per se, but if you look at his heat map, anywhere, any kind of buildup, anywhere like near where he was on the pitch, win the tackle, clear the pass, do this, do that, regain position. It's just a magnet for all that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what happens on it because – it, it had been kind of pretty even. Mm-hmm. He had some chance, but she didn't really have anything clear cut at all in the first half at all. Right. And then right there, right at the end of the half, Ustakio pressures again, takes the ball away, just takes this hopeful shot after he takes it away from Obelin Pineda. And then Memo spills it. Memo Chua spills it. And then Kyle Lawrence right there, put half it in. Boop. And Canada gets the the one nil to go into halftime. Talk about shell shocking you when you go to the half. Credit to Tata Martino, he makes some changes again. But it's like right when he he's gonna start make some changes. Right when Mexico is starting to feel themselves a little bit, get into the game again, started to get more of the ball. Here comes the second goal off a free kick. Ustakio again on the free kick. He had some great free kicks in this game as well. That's another reason why I would say that along with Laren, he was an incredible player for this game. Laren, it, it goes right to his foot. He puts it over Memo again. Now, this That's Memo's weakness. He's not great oh, yeah. at when he has to decide whether he's going to come in or whether he's going to stay in goal. He isn't the best at that. And he made the decision to not come out. Laren's right there to put the ball in the net. And that's 2-0. And then Mexico are absolutely chasing the game for the rest of the game. And every time it felt like they were going to have an opportunity, somebody from Canada was there to stop them. Now they did have a few Tecatito came on and he was, he was great, especially on that right side of whipping in crosses, making himself dangerous. I thought when he put in Sebastián Cordova también, like he was great on the other side Mm -hmm. and that kind of opened space for the middle to let uh, Hector Herrera do his thing and all that. Raul Jimenez was doing his best to kind of keep balls in play. But, I mean, I still feel like they really missed Chucky who had to go out at halftime uh, because of, you know, the he had – I don't know if it was an orbital bone issue. Yeah. He had a big scar above his eye you, from the other Right elbow. in that orbital yeah. bone arena. And I was just like, oh, that was tragic. But then – and, I mean, going kind of also back to that second goal, not just the Ustakio kick. You notice with Laren, timing his one absolutely perfect to really meet that ball. And kind of yeah. when he got that touch on it, Memo, no pun intended, he just froze. Yeah. It, it was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> 
There you exactly. go. Exactly. <laughs> well, because at that at that yeah. point, he he could have tried to come out to to stop the ball from hitting his foot, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you're saying, he froze him, and then he's probably thinking, "Oh well, I might still have a shot at stopping it when he actually kicks it." You know, if yeah. you kick it wrong or kick it. Um. So credit to Laren for being there, and, and then like listen to that the way the crowd reacts after that is incredible, and the way he looks is like. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, and it's, it's crazy. I, and they have one of the every, guys jumping in the snow pack, and yeah. I'm just like, oh, the atmosphere there was, was insane. And then, like, anytime you had a Mexico, Mexico, you know, you'd hear, like, let's go Canada on the other side. <laughs> I thought it was a great atmosphere um, to have that there, and, and that had been terrific for Canada. And, I mean, it, it really was just like, and it, it was the, the chippiness didn't end in the first no. half. The chippiness kept going. No throughout throughout and and man that ref just did not that and ref I mean, did not want to did he did not want to stamp his authority on that game at no. all i don't know i don't know what his problem was he would get in the middle of of the players and like push them back yeah, and because i mean even for example after mexico scored when a Borjan was getting into everybody and it was a whole kerfuffle literally yeah. seconds after right in the net i'm like Okay, is this going to be still be a thing? Yeah. What? No, but he, he did it throughout. Out. Like, yeah, I know, was, but it was just there I'm, was a uh, a few times both teams did one of those like professional fouls where they cut mm-hmm. off the guy way before he's so he can't even think about starting play. That's an automatic card, and it like is. there's nothing, and it's it's just that's where you stamp your authority in the game and tell these guys like, hey, hey. You know, I will give you a, yellow, a second yellow if you don't, you're not careful. You know, the only one that they had to worry about was Henry, and John Herman was smart and got him out of the game quick mm-hmm. in like the 30th minute. He got Victoria on or Victoria on really quick to make sure that he couldn't, you know, they couldn't get a red card and change this game. Oh yeah. But I mean, that's my problem with this is just there was no authority to this at all. He allowed for a lot of this chippiness to be there, which you know. Fair. This is a game between two of the you know big teams of Concacaf. They're fighting for that first spot. I get it. You don't want to be the one that causes things to happen, like we're going to talk about in the other game. Uh, you know, the other big game we're going to talk about here. But honestly, you also don't you want to be the guy for a lot to of this stuff. have a lot of bigger things happen with long-term effects by not doing. Yeah, as well. it was just it was just terrible, terrible referee, and the entire game was an absolute just re- travesty. Honestly, um, not wanting to call anything, not wanting to make big decisions, not wanting to give cards where they're needed to kind of slow things down. And then you saw that just boil over, keep boiling over, keep boiling over until you get to the end, that 89th minute goal. Uh, Tecatito, you know, with a, with another cross, mm-hmm. it gets headed down. Etor Herrera comes in and blasts it into the goal. And then you, Canada has to suffer for the last five or six minutes. Well, the problem is you're sitting there telling people that you got five minutes and then Borjan goes in and wastes time. Yep. Go in and grabbing the ball to make sure total concacapping. This whole game was concacapping at the highest level. Concacap at its finest. Canada was absolutely time wasting for a lot of this. At Akube, I don't know how many times he went down. Now, granted, that guy ran like crazy. Oh yeah, he was one of the best players as well on the on the for Canada. Um, so not not gonna hate on that. Just saying that he was also. I don't know how many times he went down with cramp. 
in this in that last five minutes, especially uh, how they had to fight to decide whether or not they had to get the uh, the, the stretcher, the, on? la camilla, you know, on the stretcher, and it's like, man, what are you doing? And the ref sitting there, like, not figuring. He's sitting there looking at his watch, but he's not really adding time. Yeah, he's on looking at nothing. his watch, and then yeah. sometimes signaling for the stretcher, and this and that. It's like. You know what? To Canada's credit, they absolutely took it to Mexico. Now, granted, at the end, when Mexico's just sitting there pouring things into the box, they kind of just had to let them have possession at that point. And Mexico had that one, that one where it gets chested in, but wow, Borjan right there to block it. They actually, and I was I was watching on Universal. So uh, Andes Cantor had already started. Uh, with the goal card, I, and I they saw go. I was watching them there too, and they were like, "No, no, no, no." And they're like, "No, wait, wait, wait." He didn't go. <laughs> and then, sure enough, on the on the replay, when they finally showed it, it took them like two minutes to show it. It didn't even it didn't even trickle in. It didn't even mm-hmm. get close. He stopped it very good on on Borjan on that one. He was huge for a lot of the the mats as well. He made he had some big ones uh, where he was right there at the right time and. To Canada's credit, they had a, a terrific game. Oh yeah, another terrific game plan. This time they got the win. You know, and in in Azteca they almost got the win a few times. They got the draw, and this time they got the win that they totally deserved. Uh, afterwards, it was a big old fight going on too. I'm still wondering yeah. what Borjan was still mad about because it looked like he was even getting into it with his own. Well, no, he was trying. Like... He was trying to stop the other players because Mexico was going. Oh yeah, I know that they, they were you know. baiting him. Don't get me wrong, but I saw the other parts that I was like, "What? He's still with the what?" <laughs> no, but again, terrific from Canada. Oh, yeah. They're now top of the table. Totally earned on this front to go like. Granted, home field advantage at the ultimate with the snow, with the with the uh, turf, with everything against Mexico, and you know credit to the Mexican players for at least trying to come back and make it a, make it a game and make it interesting. And that was a heck of an ending. Uh, but it just capitalized a game that was absolutely super rough. Probably didn't need to be at the Mexico if the people would have had some cojones, you know. But mm-hmm. he did it, and it turned into that kind of game. But again. Canada are now still the only unbeaten team in all of CONCACAF qualifying, World Cup qualifying right now. And they definitely went and had a big game against the, the big rival of the region, you know, and their first win credit. over Mexico since 2000. Yeah. Think about that. 2000. That's amazing. So, and Canada had been unbeaten um, at home and World Cup qualifying since 2016. The last team to beat them, Mexico. So mm-hmm. again, another record that had stood there. John Herbman twice coming up trumps against uh, Tata Martino. So not only is Tata Martino having a problem with Berhalter, he has a problem with John Herbman as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but now, you know, this is great for Canada. You know what you've been doing. Uh, gutsy call to not start Jonathan David and to start Kyle Laren. Everything's kind of going right for Canada right now. I mean, they got a little bit of luck on the on the Costa Rica thing you know maybe that could have ended up in a draw but that's sometimes when you're when things are going right for you that's what happens Mexico man Tata Martino's safe in his job he's getting paid too much money for them to fire him they do have a big break if it was going to happen this would be the time you have time to go hire a manager all that now you don't have another camp for Mexico it's not like the U.S. where they have another camp they actually technically have a friendly Mm -hmm. uh, before the season before the year ends against Bosnia and Herzegovina and all that, but that's going to be mostly MLS players. But still, you know, 
you're Tata Martino, you don't have another camp, right? You this is it until until March, basically, or until um well not March. In the January. January. Yeah, because so you know, you're, sometime you're, in January you're gonna have the camp, right? Yeah. But still the point here is they there is a little bit of time for them to figure it out. But I just don't think especially with the way Mexico tried to come back in that game, I think it's more about assessing the squad and really looking at it and saying, okay, I need to start looking elsewhere for some of these positions where I don't have somebody I can depend on. Yeah, because at this point, and we will talk about the standings after we go around with a few other matches, is it as bad as it was in 2014 around at this point? No, No. No. But if minor tweaks don't get made it could start to be and we all know that chaos those last couple rounds of qualifying in 2014 on the mexico side i don't think they want to go through that again no no i look there they got way more points than they had that cycle where they almost didn't qualify and had to go mm-hmm. to the against uh new zealand you know that they're they're nowhere near that here yeah uh, so you don't have to necessarily you know, freak out about that. But let's look at, since we're on, for one, they need to come up, look at some of those players that were in the Olympic team, perhaps, mm-hmm. or look at some of the players like a Diego Linus that was in there for the Nations League. And regardless of whether he's playing for Betis or not, you need to call him in. You need to, you need to get some fresher legs, not totally inexperienced fresher legs, but some guys that have had experience and get them in here to kind of make some of these players understand, hey, you're you're not guaranteed a spot here. You blacklisted some guys like Chicharito and Carlos Salcedo and some other guys. Like, do you need to maybe consider? Do I need to have these guys blasted? Could they really help us right now? You know. So even though you have this great, terrific front line, they haven't produced for you. No, right now. So like. Chicharito is scoring goals, albeit now he's not going to be playing for a while. Is that something you might need to consider? Like, what's more important, qualifying for a World Cup or trying to to show that I'm big and bad at this point? Exactly. Right? So, is your pride really worth? What was the equivalent that they threw around back then? Maybe six hundred million dollars. Is it worth that much? To me, it wouldn't be. Yeah, because your salary means nothing. Your whatever you're doing means nothing at this team, Mexico, mm-hmm. with all this these La Estrellas, you know, that it has, doesn't make the freaking World Cup. So let's look at this and you guys, um, you know, I'm I'm gonna try to make this bigger here. Sorry. Sometimes it looks big on my screen, but then I forget that oh I can't even make it anymore, apparently. So anyway, I know this is small for the people looking at this. I apologize. I can see that's about the closest I can get to zoom. Uh, without, unless I just take a soccer. But okay, so let's look at this here. The first game that they have against Jamaica away. You can't get overconfident now because nope, nope. We're going to talk about what happened to the U.S. here. If a certain Mikel Antonio and Leon Bailey are both playing in that game, that is a different Jamaica side than the one that we've seen previously or in the Gold Cup or whatever. That is not somebody you want to mess with. So let's see. And then. I don't know if you're seeing, I'm circling right here. This Costa Rica, Panama, that's also happening on that same fixture date. Yep. This Ooh. is super, super important as to how much this game right here means. If Costa Rica could get a point or even get three points at home against Panama, they're back in business. 
They're back in business. Oh. And then you're going into this game at the Azteca, wherever they're going to play, because, again, they've been talking about, maybe we don't need to play all over again the Azteca. Um, because let's be honest, it's starting to become a – it's not this, like, fortress that it used no, to be. It, the mystique so, has long been lifted at the Azteca. So you're looking at this – and, yeah. oh, that Canada-USA match was also going to be a lot spicier. Yeah. All things no, and then yeah. and then only that, look, this is your other game right here. Oh. Mexico-Panama <laughs> right here. So none of this is a given. None of this is guaranteed for you that you're going to come in and, okay, we're going to get all these points. Right? No. You have to have certain things go your way, and that may not go your way because, again, here's – what Panama's doing at the next fixture. When you're playing Costa Rica, here's what they're doing, right? They're playing Jamaica at home where Panama has been absolutely unbeatable. You know, that's more points for, for Panama, which I'm going to get into that. Since those two games happen, let's just go ahead and get into them before we get into the U.S. Panama won against El Salvador. El Salvador scored within the first 15 seconds. Oof. At, at the beginning of the game. Literally, they, they flipped the... You know, the, the whistle sounded, he takes a shot, it goes in, it rebounds, and, and goes in, okay? So Panama has to kind of fight back. It actually goes 1-0 to the end of the half, but right at the beginning, 49th minute, bam, bam, one after the other, Waterman with a header off a cross, and then Gondola with another header off a cross. 49th to 51st minute, get the lead, and El Salvador gets nothing. The rest of the second. So Panama does it again, just as they did the Honduras, where they absolutely shell shock their opponent, and then they're able to carry that to victory, and especially at home again, where they have been tremendous. So Panama now 14 points right there, tied with Mexico. Mexico's leading on goal difference. So the top of the table is super tight, right, Eric? It's super tight. It's two points. Yep. First 16, 15, 14, 14. That's super tight right there. And then, of course, Costa Rica, I just talked about them, how they've been able to get the nine points. Lowly Honduras here. Um, I feel bad for them. Uh, Costa Rica were able to get the – they got the first goal, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, they got the first goal. Oscar Duarte off a corner. And then Kyoto comes in about the 34th minute, gets the, the Honduras goal that ties it. And then at the death, at the death, at the 94th minute, after Honduras had just missed an opportunity, Hezo Torres, who'd come, off as a, come on as a sub, his first game for Costa Rica, his first goal for Costa Rica, off a, a header that gets headed down to him by Godoy, and that's it. Costa Rica gets the two points. They'd actually put on all the old guys at that point. Since before his kind of Watson, everybody had been going on to try to get something going for them. And lo and behold, it's one of the younger guys that actually does it for Costa Rica. So um, kudos to them here. But let's get into it. It's the game I think most people that are probably listening actually care about more than anything. Uh, the other ones that we've talked about here. It is, of course, the U.S. men's national team going to the office, going to Kingston. I still want to know why it's called the office. Is it just like well, that's I mean, how for the reggae boys? That's where they do their work. They go yeah. to the office. They, yeah, it, they it, it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. I get. 
I guess. It, <laughs> not not that it doesn't make sense. I'm just, you know, whatever. But, you know, so there were some changes that were that needed to be made here for uh, Greg Berhalter. So, you know, let's let's talk about the uh, two changes that he makes here um, and some of the, the ones that he keeps in. If we're going to look at this lineup here. So he keeps everybody but the two that were suspended. So Chris Richards comes in for uh, Miles Robinson. That was expected. That's the one we mm. said was going to happen. You know, and then Gianluca Busio is chosen above uh, Kellen Acosta or uh, someone else in that midfield to kind of take the uh, McKinney spot. Now, Busio is not the same player as McKinney, and that was very much evident throughout this game. And I think that actually really hurt the U.S. here of not having that guy that that will just follow up a play and be there when you need him. Busio is more of a hands-off kind of guy. He's more of a try to get involved in the play, try to make something happen, but not in the same way. It's more of like, okay, you give him the ball and he's gonna he's gonna create, right? But it's more of like, a, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a pass. I'm gonna you know, like a you know he gets called the American Pirlo, and that is kind of his function sort of. So I think that was sort of hurting. And then that, that entire line here that you have between Aaron Sidibusu and Robinson, I think this is a, it's going to be a telling thing for this game because the other line that you have, Weya, Musa, Yedlin, for the exception of maybe Yedlin going forward, those are more of your uh, better players here. And then of course oh. you still have Pepe starting um, in, in front of goal because you don't really have another number nine here. As far as you know, the U.S. goes now for Jamaica. A certain Mikel Antonio did start this game, and boy, was he super important! And was it evident that Jamaica really miss him when he is not uh, playing? Because before, um, so here's here's uh, I guess what happens if for some reason you are listening to this or watching this and haven't really don't remember a lot about the game. So the U.S. comes out on fire. They come out mm-hmm. very much like the Mexico uh, game. They're pressuring. They're doing everything. Tim Weah gets a goal in the, the 10th minute. It comes off a beautiful 1-2 with Ricardo Pepe, and he, like, goes by his man in the box. It looks like he's actually going to – It's not. he's not going to be able to get to it, but he does, and he hits it over uh, Andre Blake. Then it kind of keeps going that way. You know, they're controlling possession whatever, and then Mikel Antonio happens. The howler. Mikel Antonio happens <laughs> with, not the howler, the impressive play by Mikel Antonio, just like the El Salvador game that I told you about on the last show, Eric. He takes the ball pretty much in midfield, takes it by himself, is able to get, now I don't know why Walker Zimmerman pulls off here because this is your guy. This is the one you're supposed to be covering. So then Tyler Adams takes over and defending with Tyler Adams one of your best defenders that you have. But he allows for Mikel Antonio to cut in. That gives him enough space for him to hit that nasty shot that he hits. Now, to be fair, I think this is where you lose it a bit with Zach Steffen because mm-hmm. Zach Steffen hasn't been playing regularly. And I don't think he was I, I don't know whether he didn't see it. Or what happened? It looked but, almost like he he reacted a bit late. Yeah, he got caught flat-footed and he reacted late. And so you see it when he stretches out. Oh, it looks like he's almost going to get there, but he doesn't get there. Nope. And that ball goes in that again. Credit to Antonio for just taking that shot, right? 
and hitting it in there. And he hit a really good, he hit it really good. And it goes in and it's 1-1. And after that, the United States men's national lost it. I don't know what happened here. Confidence just went out the window, but they were not the same team. They really weren't. And it's like, again, aside from away in Musa, it's almost, and I almost don't want to use this word, but it's almost like they were scared. I I can't even say it because I originally thought and we talked about it. Yeah, maybe there was that hangover after the Dosa Cero, but it just, it seemed it's like they, they were just scared because then there was so much disconnect. You couldn't get multiple passes together. When you yeah. try to string something together, then in the final third, it imploded. And it's like... Because the, the dumb thing was that Jamaica, if it wasn't Mikel Antonio or Leon Bailey, they'd lose the ball. Mm-hmm. None of their other guys could really keep possession at all for them. But it was just, like you said, it was the U.S. couldn't put two and two together if it nope. wasn't for Yunus Musa or Tim Weah trying to make something happen. Pepe was kind of... Especially in the first half, he was very involved, and but in the second half, he kind of disappeared. But I think that's more of it because he didn't get any service. Yeah, and it's weird because Busio disappeared entirely. He was non-existent for the first half, and but then in the second half, he kind of started becoming more involved in the play. But then again, it's somebody that absolutely let the team down. I feel like is Anthony Robinson. Anthony Robinson had an absolutely terrible game. He. Kind of had an okay game against Mexico. He started to see some of that with Mexico. He was missing some chances or whatever. But that was okay because he had other guys kind of also playing well and covering, right? Mm-hmm. But Anthony Robinson couldn't keep – he couldn't make a pass. When he would get a pass back to him, he would lose it. He'd had the ball go out of bounds. He'd, he'd misplay it. He is the person to blame for the chance in the 52nd minute that – uh, read, uh, Gordova Reed can't, uh, finish. He has it right in front of goal. Robinson mishits it, trying to cover for Zach Steffen. And Cordova Reed just absolutely somehow right in front of goal freaking s- sends it over. And that, that, that was Jamaica in a nutshell, honestly, for that entire game of either they couldn't hit something or they couldn't keep possession. No, and but, it's just for just like with the U.S., the few chances they did create, it's just with and like that's that's the thing too is just if you look at it, which you know, let me see what you what you guys are looking at here because that okay it looks fine. So you know U.S. out possesses Jamaica. If you look at this number here, it doesn't matter because Jamaica's strategy was we're gonna out physical you. We're gonna yep. we're gonna come in and drop you. You know, and, or make you fly in the air in the case of Tyler Adams or or Brandon Aronson as well. I don't know why neither one of those were cards because that was ridiculous too. I don't know what the referee was thinking there. Like both of those were nasty tackles. Like they weren't. They're nasty. They were yeah. late. No contact with the ball. And if they don't jump out of those, those could have been worse. Yeah. So at the very least, yellows all day. Uh definitely. And like that's the thing is the ref is not you know, controlling the game at that point either. Um, and then we get to the biggest play of the game where he does make a decision. In the 84th minute, Jamaica gets uh, a corner. And uh, Damian Lowe is there. He hits it into the net. Goal Jamaica. Jamaica is winning 2-1 at this point with 
in the 84th minute, you'd think, oh, man, wow, Jamaica's going to pull the upset here. But they called a foul on Damian Lowe, and Walker Zimmerman, to his credit, Walker Zimmerman does a little bit of acting. That teeny to, bit, not quite Oscar-worthy. To, to try to make it seem like Damian Lowe used his forearm to, you know, push up against him. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the replay, he doesn't. He no, really he I, just I look uses at them, it. Yeah. Because I was looking at the replay and they were even saying, oh, yeah, it's a foul on number 17. I'm like, for what? No, it's no, no. Well, he was, they were saying, no, it wasn't a foul mm-hmm. uh, on, on yeah, so, like Yeah, but th- that's what I was like saying the same thing. And it was like, what did they call the foul on? That's yeah, I, I mean, I was confused myself. If you're Jamaica, I would feel absolutely shafted. Yeah, absolutely shafted, absolutely upset at, at the fact that you had an opportunity to be beating the U.S. at home 2-1 where you needed points. You absolutely needed points because you're seeing the difference. You're now behind Costa Rica where you could have been tied with them at nine points. And that makes a huge difference because you could still drop that game to Mexico and still be in with a chance, depending on what happens to Panama, to get that that playoff spot. So, right. Like that is a big deal, and that's a part where the referee misses it. Where you know, if you go back and you listen to some uh, the referees that they had, apparently that wouldn't have been something that was looked at by VAR supposedly. But what once he makes the decision that it's not a not a goal, right? Right. They would have not really overturned it. Probably uh, same thing if he would have given the goal, VAR would not have overturned it and made it not a goal. Uh, so. That's the problem here is that you really cost Jamaica and U.S. got gifted a draw here when they really should have been under fire to have to make something happen in that last six to nine minutes that they would have had. Um, now, to be fair, uh, Christian Pulisic did come on a little bit earlier than last time, but he was getting hacked as soon as he touched the ball. He was getting hacked. Um, no shade to Jamaica there because I would make sure that he couldn't do that either. <laughs> To me, you know, like I mean, and especially after the game against Mexico and the extra savage in the shirt too that yeah. I mentioned on Twitter, it's like, oh no, 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 you're not doing that here. Nope. I feel like he may have waited a little bit too long to bring on Jesus Fededa because in the second half, Ricardo Pepe was really not getting any kind of service. Mm-mm. Now I don't know that that really would have changed if Fededa's going to get service if he's not getting it at that point, but maybe you make a difference because. Honestly, I was very afraid that he would do exactly what he did and bring on uh, Kellen Acosta because Kellen Acosta, he, he's he's gonna you know get physical, but he just doesn't combine well with Tyler Adams. I don't know what it is. They both because they both kind of play this similar position or, or whatever, but it's like they just don't work well together. No, and, and even then, I was a little bit skittish as well when Ariola came on because I was like. I had a feeling it would happen because it's against Jamaica, but it's like, what would you really need him for? Yeah, but I, I mean, like, at that point, other than bringing on, like, Roldan, I don't really know that you had anybody that was going to make much of it. Polarioli at that point is the only guy that that, that can run, mm-hmm. that can make a difference, aside from Pulisic, where I think it's like, I think he had to bring He didn't have a choice, you know? So... Uh, outside of, you know, and the thing is, like, Reggie Cannon has been playing regularly, so I couldn't say, oh, well, you could have brought him on instead of Yedlin, and maybe you get something going on the right side there. But I think, for me, the biggest problem was taking off both Musa and Weah. Like, 
leave one of them on. Mm -hmm. I get it that maybe he didn't want to take off Aronson twice in two games or whatever. He wanted to give Aronson a shot to see if he could redeem himself or, or whatnot. But, and especially Weah was still looking somewhat dangerous. But Weah was, again, the most dangerous player yeah. for the U.S. in that game. And you take him off. And it would have been good to be able to see like Weya and Pulisic be able to combine with each other with Pepe or with Ferrer or whichever one. And instead you leave in Aronson and just switch him over to the right side. And I don't, I feel like that really didn't help you at all. Mm -mm. When Weya is confident, he's feeling it. He's wanting to take on players. Same thing with Musa. Like, you know, at that point, maybe you would have, maybe you take off Busio for um, Acosta and left Musa in, you know, it just, man, it, it, that's one of those things. Like, I think this is where the one time where he got the second half wrong, but I don't know that necessarily they would have really made that much of a difference. It just felt to me like the U S this wasn't going to be their day. Nope. And the, the way that they couldn't connect anything, the way Anthony Robinson was just absolutely getting it wrong on the left side, the way on the right, they couldn't really do much once he took both of them out. Like, it's just, it was like you said, I don't know that they were scared, mm -hmm. but it was more of like, okay, let's just try not to not to let something go in. And to be fair to Walker Zimmerman, who again I thought had a good game, he was still very active in getting all the headers and having to fight with Mikel Antonio was no easy task. I thought Chris Richards was okay filling in for Miles Robinson, you know, but it was just like I I thought like the the backs let him down in this game, and then just sometimes Zach Steffen was not distributing. The confidence and everything else that he showed in that Mexico game, he didn't have that. Here. This whole team felt like they were on a come down from that game. Yep. And I think this is the the thing we've got to talk about, Eric. We've got to talk about this because, for, well, let, let's get into the standings. I know we've talked about all the games. So here are your standings for CONCACAF for what they look like right now. I try to, again, make this bigger so people can uh right there okay so honduras is basically they're still uh, they're still they're pretty much almost eliminated el salvador has tried and tried and i really feel like man god bless them you know i really wanted to root for el salvador as being that fourth team to really make it and and make a splash and whatever but i don't know i don't think it's going to be i think the the teams that you see one through six are going to be the team. Now, I'm not saying El Salvador Honduras won't play spoilers at some point when right. you really need, when you really need, these teams really need to get points. But these six teams, I feel like those are the teams you're going to see fighting. And I still think Jamaica has, if Antonio can stay fit and still stay in that run of form that he's been on, he could will them to that fourth spot, I feel like still. Um, and I feel like that was a big key in this game, in that game too, of the star showed up for the stars of the U.S. did not show up, and they really missed Wisman Kenny a lot because they didn't have that guy that, man, that other guy that wins balls, the other guy that, like, you know he'll come into the box and he'll try to make something happen. They just didn't have that. Lucio's not that kind of player. So they were missing that this game. But So as we talked about, Canada, number one, is 16. USA, 15. Mexico, Panama at 14. So this is your top half, right? These are the... You know, the top three go to the World Cup automatically. Here's your Pachaja, your playoff here. But again, look at this right here. Goal difference. Mm -hmm. Mexico, Panama. It's super close. 
um, for you know, between Mexico being all the way in fourth, and technically if the you know it ended today, they would be going through, but it doesn't end today. So you know that's your standings, but this is the the number one thing I think we need to talk about with the U.S. because it's been a pattern, it's been a thing uh, for the entirety of the World Cup qualifying so far. It's been the U.S.'s inability, especially when they're coming off a home game, to go away and play anything like they play at home. That's not good, Eric. No, and when you're in a position, and I'm giving credit to Jamaica, they have really shown, even for all the time we were thinking originally during this cycle that they were going to be pushovers, they're not. So going in with those expectations, but you would at least think, pull out something solid. You have a more than reasonable shot at a win, which the U.S. for long stretches did, but nothing. And again, when you have it, big home matches crowd like this and that you've got to have at least some of that energy go with you it's like hey you won let's go do it again let's go go ahead right. put it all out there but here here's the thing that's even more important in all of this is your remaining matches four of them are away from home yep and three of them are against content with one of them being uh well no they're all okay so your your away games that you have right now left on the schedule is you have USA Canada. That's a huge game. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, depending on what they do over here against El Salvador at home, which you would expect that El Salvador at home to be able to get the three points. Yep. Uh, but this is an El Salvador that at this point now they have to start getting points. So you're going to get the best El Salvador you could possibly get, you would think. But Canada-U.S., that's your away game for that window. Then you have another team here. You think that you get the three points considering where Honduras are and where they could be pretty much, they could be eliminated completely depending on what happens in these games that they have. Canada, they're both at home against Canada and El Salvador. Um, let's see what kind of Honduras team you have at them, right? Because you could mm-hmm. also have a Honduras team that somehow got six points out of these two games and then they're sitting there at nine by the time they play the U.S. So who knows? Let's see, right? But again, let's look at this. Your other window, going to the Azteca. You got Panama at home, which, you know, depending on, let's see, Panama might have enough points to be qualified at that point. Who knows what this game means. But this is your last home game. It's against Panama. That's mm-hmm. still a, a formidable team. This is a team that's fighting with you for first, you know, the, the top spot. And then you got, we don't know what Costa Rica is going to be at when you have this final home game against here. So, now, obviously, U.S. on you qualify for this point, so, but still. In theory, yes. I have now, said many a times. You can't just go say, oh, in theory, leaving it down to this and repeating right. the cards. Because yeah. even with all of this and with these expected results, I'm looking at this. Okay, El Salvador, fine. Like I say, they get the three points. Honduras, I can reasonably say, even if they get those wins, again at home, three points you're maybe if you're lucky looking at one up in canada even with this yeah. and i'm not even counting that one i think it would be great yeah what if you lose yeah you could easily lose then what yeah but i mean th- that away form needs to get fixed because mm-hmm. th- and you know i go back to this and i always thought i hate the you know nobody wants to bring up this guy but Jurgen Klinsman was right 
in saying you need to you need to have more games away from the United States. Yep. You need to go to Europe. You need to go yep. to some other places. Go go to these bad pitches in these CONCACAF countries or go to the bad pitches in the South American countries. Play them there. Don't bring them to the United States. Play them there to get that experience. Yeah, especially for all, this. Yeah. You're always going to have these teams who are going to love to come to the U.S. Even right. such better condition or fans or everything, it's going to be great. But how does that really help you? You know, if you go there, you get those extra scrapes and scars and toughen up. And you know, all right, we've yeah. dealt with this here. We've dealt with this here. We know how to do this. We've got to account for this. Yeah, I mean, and like, because that pitch, the way it is in Jamaica, where it looked bad, mm-hmm. right? That affects the way you play. Yep. And if, But if you're used to that, you can have more experience there and you, you know that, right? So obviously... Concap, the Nations League Gold Cup, you can't you can't do anything, right? So mm-hmm. they can't really do anything about the the games that they've already played, whatever. But when you get past this World Cup qualifying, let's hope that you make it. That year running up to it, before you get to Qatar, you better schedule friendlies where you're not just playing all of them in the United States. Play them in other places. Absolutely. You know, so you can get something of a semblance to yeah. Not playing at home in the comforts. Yeah, if I'm U.S. soccer, I take that year. If everything's settled and you're counting down towards Thanksgiving and Qatar, it's like, all right, what matches do we know we have to play at home or anything leading up to that? Anything else? Have pitch, we'll travel. Any and all comers, you want us, you got us, let's go. Yeah, even, even a neutral side, let's go there. Exactly. Just to go somewhere besides the U.S. Let's go there. But anyway, getting out the. But it's just this is something that's got to like really on, honestly. This game against Canada to me is big. Like Canada has a game. It's obviously away from home. It's in Honduras, right? Like we've seen Canada struggle away from Canada. They've also struggled at home, honestly. But Canada needs to get a result here. But let's say they don't. Yeah. Let's say they don't. Let's say they get a draw, or maybe Honduras wins, or something like that. Then let's you're say the U.S. Be facing a team that's even hungrier, right? Let's say the U.S. gets that win against El Salvador, right? They're coming off that high again, yep. Where oh my God, they played great and all this stuff, and everybody's excited. This game's big here. You can't just oh, I'm not. I forgot. I'm not showing the standing. That game is is big against Canada. That's mm-hmm. not a game that you should be taking lightly and saying ah, well, whatever. You know, we'll just get. Like what we just saw with Mexico. I mean, that makes a difference because you should want to do well against your rivals, yeah. you know? like, and, and even if you're not going to get, like, the insanely cold conditions, say they play that in Vancouver or whatever, yeah. that's all the more reason it's still going to be extra loud because you're going to be in a dome. You're going to have mm-hmm. most likely even more fans because it's indoors in January in Canada. So you're going to be dealing with a potentially even more raucous environment. Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like I don't know that we're going to really see much of a difference in what we're seeing right now. Um, I really don't. I think we're going to see a lot of this. We're going to see the teams that are already doing well continue to do well. Yeah. Um, I do think that we may see Costa Rica, Jamaica really make a run and close that gap 
and get in a and and be formidable on that final in that final window. Yeah, I don't I mean, think we're yeah. I mean, I hope so because it'd be interesting. Yeah, I right? mean, if, if anything, this is going to be for Jamaica, Costa Rica, really the make or break. I wouldn't even say the entire window. I'd say those first matches. Yeah, the twenty seventh. It's like if you can get results there, yeah, you know I, you're gonna carry those through the. Jamaica rest of has the a really hard one against Mexico because that this is a Mexico that's gonna be hungry. Oh yeah, right? they're gonna be wanting to show. Hey man, uh, we can't just be sneaking by. We need to go in here and we need to like take Jamaica down like two nil, yeah, three nil, absolutely. whatever. And this is a Panama team that also, even though they're away from home, like they don't want to. They don't want to be losing points because they want to try to get in auto qualification, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't know who you're going to face in that playoff. That's not a guarantee. The Euro, the European teams are about to have to go through that. We're going to talk about. We're going to have another show uh, tomorrow. You know, Thursday morning, basically. Well, yeah, Thursday morning for you guys. But we're going to talk about all the other World Cup qualification stuff that's happened in this window because obviously they take a break as well until January and. That some of these teams like Italy that now has to go to the playoff again, you don't know who you're going to face. Nope. You may be seen as a favorite, but you don't know who you're facing. So yeah, they they they, yeah. they got like the ideal who's going to be seated and whatnot, but we don't know those tournaments yet. Yeah, we don't. So that's that's the interesting thing, and like we'll see what happens there. But again, like these games here are all going to be big. Like Costa Rica again having to face Mexico here. Yeah. Like what kind of Mexico are you going to get? Yeah. You know, and, and, then... and, and that's why I say circle that date if you're the January 27th. By and the even time... the, the even by... bigger one. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, the reason why I say, like, for those in particular, you're really starting the January window out of the gate, the 27th, with mm-hmm. Costa Rica, Panama, Jamaica, Mexico. As you, If you can get, if you're those two teams, if you can get results that day, you can have something to carry through that window for Jamaica. You can carry that to the match against Panama, yeah. Costa Rica. You can carry that into the Azteca. All hell could break loose, but you yeah, can exactly. at least do something. But if you don't, you're there. You're looking at yourselves in the mirror, and it's like, wow. Looking at the gap going into those matches in the thirtieth, you're not done by any because you would still have five left. But you're looking in realistically yeah. and saying, hey, what's really left? So yeah, especially, especially if these teams all get the three points, mm-hmm. right? And you're you're making that ceiling at the top even higher for you. Yep. That makes it even much more difficult for you to catch. Yeah, so, so then by the time yeah. you get to those matches, the end of the window in February, like we've said, yeah. your top yeah. four and bottom four may already be set. Exactly, least- especially because they play each other. Yeah, on so the second. So. That's that's that. Yep, and it may just be a four four team race for who's gonna fit into what spot, mm-hmm. right? And but then and that then March, that again yeah. makes these games for the U.S. all that important. But you can't drop any points because nope. you don't know what these other teams are gonna do. So this is why again that away form for the U.S. is imperative that they need to figure this out. They need to figure out whatever the heck it is that, that makes it to where they have these letdowns every time they go from playing a home game to an away game. Yes, I get it. It's Mexico. Yes, I get it. It's Dos Yes, I get it. Like, that was a huge game. But, man, like, to just get deflated after Mikel Antonio ties it up. And look at how early that was. Yeah. 
And again, like, yeah, you could say Jamaica grew into the game, but they, they, did, were, still, but... they were still having tremendous problems with keeping yes. the ball. And, and like, but it was just, it's almost like they thought, oh, we're the U.S. We'll just score a goal at some point, and then that'll be enough. You know what and, that kind so, of reminded me of? And I'm going to bring this up again. Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. Granted, so the stakes were entirely different that night at the at the Bolton yeah. Stadium, but I mean, we was, didn't have to necessarily. It wasn't this. I think it would have been a bigger deal if we lost, right? Like, which we yeah. should have. We should yeah. have because because that goal should have stood. That's so unfair to Jamaica. But granted, still by the letter of the what's out there, you drew, mm-hmm. and that's really what you were expecting out of this window, right? So if you were expecting that to be Mexico, not yeah, still, you, you were thinking you know, the other way around. Right. You were expecting that to be, hey, oh, we're going to go and get three points in Jamaica because we couldn't get the three points at home against Mexico, but that's Mexico. It's expected, whatever. But yeah, to see that team get deflated that much to where they almost lost, that's a big deal. And like, so Canada, what Canada did is what you should have done, right? You should have gone in with the attention of, we want to be top of the table heading into this big, this nice break that we have. Yeah. Top and, of the table going into the new year. And I felt like Canada wanted that more. Obviously, they, it was a, a game that they had to get up. They wanted to get up for and, and playing against Mexico. And especially feeling like they had left um, something on the table in the Azteca. So they had a, a lot more to get up for and trying to beat Mexico and everything. But still, like, think about that. Think about all the World Cups that Canada hasn't been to. And to, like, be able to go into this break with all this confidence and be able to say, now we're top of the table. Mm-hmm. How many years have we just been nothing in CONCACAF? Now look where we're at. So Exactly. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, last time that they even ended top of the table in CONCACAF, which different format and all of that, they were CONCACAF champions, got the trophy and everything, when they qualified for the World Cup in 86. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Throwing that out there. Yeah, exactly. That one out there, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's it's a really cool thing to see for Canada fans. But again, the U.S. should have been better in this game. Mm-hmm. Look, you're you're disappointed, but it's not the end of the world. Obviously, you're still there in second. You're still doing great things. You still got that win against Mexico. Like, you know, it's all that. But it, I just, I really just do not want to see them. I really hope that the, the way that Canada felt playing against Mexico is the way you're going to feel. Mm-hmm where Canada went into your house and got a draw, and they really could have beat you. Now it's time to go into their house. Yeah. And for you to feel the same and really want to fight. And you know, know, with Canada, they got the draw here qualifying. They've already beaten us on our soil before really when you're getting into that Nations League. They're not scared anymore. Right. And if they're not scared, you should be. Yeah. But... Not should be to the point where you don't go out there and no, no, and I give get them hell, that. but yeah, but it's like, hey, they're not afraid to play us anymore. We yeah. got to show them who still are. Exactly. But either way, let's let's wrap it up here. Again, we did we went over the standings. We went over. What do you think? Do you think it's just going to be the same top four that we already have right now? Do you think there's going to be a Jamaica, Costa Rica? <sighs> Maybe El Salvador that that sneaks in there and makes it interesting. Where do you? How do you feel about this U.S. game? Let us know on Twitter at Squid Sporthead at W Tim Sean. Um, you know, you go listen to us wherever we have the podcast. 
we are there. Um, you can watch us here on YouTube right now. Like we're on live right now or on Twitch um, or on the Facebook page. You can go join that. And I go, go check us out on Last Word on Soccer as well. Thank you for listening to us over there. We appreciate that. Anybody that's that may be listening for the first time uh, cover, are with our coverage of the, the, the Mexico game, uh, appreciate that. Hopefully you'll continue to be listening as uh, we keep going throughout the season again. We have a regular show. Normally it's on Sundays. Right now we're kind of bouncing around because of the World Cup qualifying and all of that. But we will have another show tomorrow that kind of focuses more on the other World Cup qualifying with that's going on in other places besides CONCACAF. And also we'll be talking about some NWSL playoffs and then other things as well. Um, so you'll get a bit more of our regular show uh, there too. So for Eric, for myself, thank you everybody for listening, for watching. We'll see you later. Peace. Bye.